Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it begins. A desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Sons Transmission. I'm your host Eric Fiver, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 156 of Twin Sons Transmission and we're going to be talking all about the latest episodes of Star Wars Resistance. Yes, we are going to be talking about two episodes just Star Wars Resistance on this show and um, we've got some good stuff, Jesse. I'm pretty excited to talk about it. Yeah, both these episodes were really fun. I I can't wait to get in. All right, so the first episode is the Vox Vortex 5000. And this episode, obviously, if you have not seen it, we are going to be talking about spoilers. So um, we don't want to spoil you. So turn back now if you haven't watched it. Um, but what do you think of this episode, Jesse, just as a whole? I thought this episode was on the more chill side when it comes to our greater storyline. Um, mm-hmm. It felt like kind of like a break in our storyline, but I really enjoyed this crazy casino, even though it was completely empty and dead to the world. I don't know. I just loved all of the bright colors and it just, it just, this episode was just like visually pleasing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we know that the Colossus is in need of a lot of things, right? They need power, they need food, um, they need money, and so this is the one where uh, we start getting into the lack of credits for the Colossus, and not only that, but uh, just as a little bit of a review, um, the Aces are getting bored aboard the Colossus, and they haven't been able to race because Doza hasn't allowed them to race. So it's Hype's idea to go to Frankie's Hotel and Casino to, uh, I guess, let off a little bit of steam by racing and hopefully trying to earn a little bit of credits back for the Colossus. So... Um, my first question to you, Jesse, is about Doza. And it seemed like Hype sort of, uh, I don't want to say manipulated Doza in a way, but he kind of did a little bit. Um, because he was basically like, you know, in the first scene we saw the, the Aces kind of like wrestling with each other aboard the Colossus and getting frustrated and kind of bored. And um, Doza was like, I don't want to go to a casino. I don't want to go. And Hype's like, well, it would be good for the Aces. We need to, you know, race and we're bored and, you know, it'll be good for us. We can make make some money back. And Doza's like, okay, let's go. So <laughs> here's my question. Is Doza a reliable leader for the Colossus? Like, do you think that he has been making the best decisions for everybody aboard the Colossus? I mean, I got to say that this decision definitely surprised me. This seemed like something that 
Kaz and his crazy crew would do kind of like behind Doza's back. Right. To be like, we need this. Like, this will be fun. And we need it. Let's do it. Doza doesn't have to know. So I was kind of surprised that Doza agreed to it and then also like came along. So right. I was like, oh, okay. So the captain of the ship, Yeager the second in command is also gone. Every single one of the defense team is also gone yeah. now and they're all just hanging out at a casino just gambling right everything. so if the first order attacks the colossus that's it they're screwed everyone else right. is you know doza yeager all the aces gone colossus fireball and then they end up gambling like everything yeah because they already don't have the money or the supplies so now all you really have left is your crew and mm. you're, you're gambling them Right. And Hype clearly has a history with Vranky the Hut. Um and this is sort of where Hype learned to race and and uh at the Vox cluster. Um and so I mean I thought I thought it was one interesting seeing a Hut speak English and I understand that this was, you know, it's a it's a younger audience's show, so you don't want them to have to like read as a Hut is talking. Um, but we've never really seen a hut in this instance before, like running a casino and obviously making references to Canto Bite and using that as a, as a reason for, um, the hotel and casino to not be doing as well. Um, but what'd you think of, like, we got a little bit more about Hype's past. What'd you think of that? I thought that was interesting. I'm not quite sure. It seemed like... It seems like they're friends, but then it also kind of seemed like it was, I mean, this guy is like a, a slimo, a scam artist, um, mm-hmm. Frankie. So, you know, he's trying to win these aces and take all their profits. So I wonder how, you know, good of like a relationship that really was, or was he kind of like in like modern slavery like just like racing for this guy and like not seeing a lot of profits other than the fact that he gets to race and that's what he wants to do yeah do you think back when hype was racing for vranky that hype was just too young to realize that even back then vranky was cheating or do you think that using droids as racers is a recent thing and that's how Frankie was just too desperate to continue to lose. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like it was maybe a bit of both. Like, maybe Hype was, like, young and naive and and didn't see a lot of what was going on there, and now it has evolved. Because Hype seemed really shocked when he realized he was... He knew he was racing a droid. He was like, what? Like, he... he, Because at first he was like, who is this racer? He's really good. And he was, like, shocked to find out that he was racing a droid and got really mad. So I, I'm guessing everything that goes, that, like, all those, like, weird tricks and things that he kept pulling out to make all the aces lose, I feel like that all had to be newer and new to hype. Otherwise, you know, if he was so good at this track and he was also good at evading these things, or maybe because hype was on, you know, Frankie's side, those things were always there and just never used against him. Because mm-hmm. they're always, right. you know, he's always trying to get hype to win. Right. 
I mean, Hype is a good racer. Like, we've seen him race against the Aces, and I think he does a pretty good job. Um, he's, but, like, un, isn't he kind of undefeated on the Aces? Yeah, he's, like, the number Two. one racer for the Colossus. Yeah. But, and, so, and I don't know if he got his training here with Frankie. I mean, it seems like it. Maybe he was racing against droids the whole time, and he wasn't aware. Oh. Or maybe he was just that good, and then when Frank, when Frankie lost hype, he had to like go to these crazy measures to yeah. be able to win. Yeah, could be. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is Niku. So Niku obviously has uh, a massive role within the group and our main our main characters, um, but. I feel like in this episode, more than a lot of them, Niku really has an importance, uh, important role. Um, he figures out that the race is um, represented, I guess, in the um, the video games, I guess, that are in the casino, and he uses that to help the aces win. Um, so. What do you think, and, and how do you think this is going to play out as Resistance continues, um, as far as Niku's importance to the group? Because at this point, to be honest, I feel like Niku's had so much importance to the point where, like, I feel like he's irreplaceable. Yeah, I literally have it written in my notes. I love how often Niku saves the day now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's just, he's become, like... Like the tech guy, like in the group, who's going to be like sitting behind the computer in, in like you know the Italian job and be like, okay, turn left now, go. Yeah. Like I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but yeah. that's what I think of Niku as. I feel like he's going to be that guy where he's he's not fighting, he doesn't have a blaster, but he's like behind the scenes with like a comm link, like orchestrating everything. He's like he's like the brains of the operation, even though he'll see a gorg and get distracted. But. <laughs> but I don't even think he knows that he's that guy. Like, he's just like, ooh, let's play, and, like, realizes it and comes up with it. And how is my best friend cursed in the next episode? You know, like, yeah. he just, he doesn't even realize that he's that guy. Like, he's just out to help people and, you know, be the best Niku that he can be. Yeah, and that's what makes him so good at saving the day is that that's like his like only true focus is helping his friends. Yeah. So it's just going to always work out that way. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot that happened in this episode, like you said, uh, as far as uh, story development. Um, this is more of just the Aces and Doza and Yeager going to this hotel and casino run by this hut to attempt to get some more money. Uh, for the Colossus, as well as um, making sure that they get, um, you know, the aces some exercise, I guess, um, would be the best way to put it. Um, but Tora, Kaz, save the day. They do a relay race and, and uh, end up winning and get the credits for the Colossus. So now they have some, some credits, some money. So that'll be good. We'll see what they do with it. Um, any final thoughts on the Vox Vortex 5000? Um, I thought it was a great episode, 
but I am getting like it's making me feel like we have to be soon getting to the point where we're going to go after Tam and confront the first order, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're doing a good job of showing us how. Okay, so we have the Colossus. They leave Castellan. They get damaged, right? They have no supplies. They have no food. They have no money. Now we have all of that stuff. You know, we have money, we have food, they just killed a big uh, creature, you know. Um, And I feel like now we're going to begin that push towards the end story with Tam and the First Order and Kaz and the Resistance and, you know, figuring out what happens there. Yeah, they're like showing us the average struggle of people just trying to get by with the First Order around, I feel like. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the next episode, which was this past week's episode called Kaz's Curse. Um, And again, it's a very simple episode. Nothing from the First Order, nothing from Tam. It's mostly about the crew of the Colossus and about Kaz. And um, I love the message, though. Um, To me, it was all about if you set your mind to something, you can do it. Or like, if you believe in yourself, then that's all you need. You know, that was essentially like the, the lesson that I gained from it. Um, I don't know if you gained the same thing or had some other thoughts. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's, it was kind of like everything, you know, it's all in your head and it's what you make of it. So just put your mind to it and you can do it. Yeah. I totally got that vibe. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Mika Gray because she, in this episode, I mean, I feel like we had a little bit of a discussion on um, a couple episodes ago where we first met Mika and we kind of were talking about, like, is she force sensitive? Is she like, uh, you know, is she like Chert Imwe? Like, does she study the force? I mean, she's hunting these relics. Like, what's her deal? And I feel like in this one, um, you know, she overheard Kaz and Niku calling Kaz cursed. And so, you know, she had a little bit of foresight there because she overheard it, but then she's sort of acting like a psychic. And it was just kind of interesting how her role um, in this episode played out because I feel like, I don't know what she is yet. You know, she's still a mystery to me. She's a question mark. Um, But I feel like there's more to her than what we see. And we don't see a lot of people, like, lined up at her tent or whatever. Like, she's still kind of secluded from everybody. Yeah, I I feel like, like she has some kind of connection to the Force, whether it's, you know, a, a, a physical sensitivity or just a knowledge. Um, I don't know, but it, she just feels important to me because of that, like, her, you know, her knowledge of the Force, basically, is all we really know that she has. So I feel like she's going to play a bigger role. But I also think it's interesting that, like, everybody kind of, she's kind of like the crazy kook lady on the Colossus now. Because people will be like, oh, Mika, Mika said it's a curse. Like, or Mika said, like, oh my gosh. I, I think it's funny that she's playing, you know, the psychic. And she's playing, like, the actual, like, 
stereotypical psychic too where she's like listening to people's conversations like she knows we've got the gorg guy she knows he's the gorg guy everybody knows he's the gorg guy and she's like you're gonna get eaten up by tiny little teeth from the inside like she's just like (laughs) messing with him oh my Um, god i'll give you 10 more credits to tell me when like yeah yeah. (laughs) but like do you think she like i don't think she really is has any insight right like she's just messing with people for credits I think so. That's how it seems. Because <laughs> even when Kaz just sat down and he had that boot full of credits and he was just, you know, talking without even doing anything, she just, like, took the boot. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, she just looked at yeah. the boot and then looked back at him and then took the boot. Like, I don't think yeah. she really has any sort of, like, like I don't, I don't feel like she's really expecting to tell them any sort of information that is totally useful. No. She's just taking their money. I hope she... I feel like she's just. she was just, like, that really cool, like, explorer lady. And I just want her... I want her, like, out on missions with them, you know? Mm-hmm. She's kind of become, like, crazy kook lady. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I mean, we've seen the trailer for season two, and this happened a few months back now. Um, but we know at some point Kylo Ren is going to be in the show. Um, probably not for very long, but my guess is that between hunting these relics and Mika Gray and potentially, you know, the, the Tam affiliation, that, that all that connection will bring us to Kylo. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, especially Mika with her relic association, but we'll see. Um, like I said, I think this belief or not, like how much of what's in your head actually becomes reality. I th- I thought that was a good, a good message. And, um, you know, this, ep- this show resistance more than, I would say more than all the other shows and even the movies to me really gives us more of like a message vibe than everything else. Like after every episode of resistance, I'm like, Oh Wow. Niku was really selfless in that episode. Like, I got that message, you know? And then in this one, it was like, I can do it because it's in my head. You know, yeah. like, it's just every episode seems like I feel good about myself and I'm ready to take on the world. Yeah, it does have that very, like, Saturday morning cartoon, like, like yeah, like, sweet little positive message, like, vibe to it. And, like, the Clone Wars had something similar, but their message was always, like, vague. And in the very beginning, you know, you'd get that, like, one sentence. So it was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to take away from this. But it still yeah. had, like, um, it didn't ha- it didn't have, like, this kind of a feel where it, it is. It's very, like, Saturday morning cartoon, which is just kind of nostalgic to me. And I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the quote-unquote story for this episode too not necessarily the message or mika or the colossus but um essentially what's going on in this episode is that the colossus is trying to get through an asteroid field which is part of guavian space so we've seen guavians uh, a couple times in season one of of uh, resistance we saw them and then we also saw them in the force awakens so what do you think this means? Guavian space, we got the Guavian Death Gang, one of the most ruthless gangs in, uh, gangs in the galaxy right now. And they even threatened, they're like, you know, it's going to be a million credits to go through here. Otherwise, we're going to take the Colossus. 
you know, and if you don't pay, we're going to, we're going to, you know, turn you over to the first order. So what does this mean to you? Do you think this is going to have any sort of like, uh, importance to episode nine? Do you think this is sort of just like a cool callback to the force awakens? What do you think about the Guavians, uh, showing up in this episode? I feel like it's mostly a callback, um, but I feel like they could also, at this point, still report the Colossus to the First Order and Mm -hmm. kind of, like, keep them on their trail. You know, we last saw them here. They were in our territory. We're mad now. And maybe they'll, like, help the First Order, like, track them. Yeah. Because in Episode 7, we saw Balatik, who is part of the Guavian Death Gang, basically tell the First Order that BB-8, the droid they're looking for, is in the hands of Han Solo aboard the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, they're tattletales. Yep. I really don't even think if the Colossus paid them the credits that the Guavian Death Game would be like, cool, thanks. And that was it. Yeah. No, they still would have double dealt and told the First Order (laughs) what was going on. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love to see them on the screen again, though, and it was cool to see Kaz kind of, uh, you know, overcome his challenges as a pilot in this one. Um, But, again, not a ton happened as far as, like, the main story. So we'll see what happens in the next episode. As you know, we're getting close to Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, and we got a lot of really cool things coming up. It was the launch of McDonald's toys and all the McDonald's content this past week, so very exciting there. Um, And we're going to have a lot more coming up as far as The Rise of Skywalker. So uh, make sure to continue to follow Twin Suns Outposts. We're going to have a lot more from... Uh, the movie theater and we'll have some uh, reactions as far as uh, you know what we thought of the film Uh, so we're going to have a lot of content relating to the rise of Skywalker uh, as we get closer to the film and even after the film first airs so make sure to continue to follow us and uh, check us out on social media Uh, Jesse if people want to follow us on social media where can they do that you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right. And if you're looking to listen to us on different locations, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store or on iTunes. And if you like our show and you think we're pretty wizard, you can go ahead on iTunes and give us a good review. All right. Thanks so much for listening to episode 156 of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll see you next time. And as always, may the force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Hailmaster, Tatooine. It's controlled by the hut.
I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Halloween. You're starting to remind us of me, I think.